You're listening to the City Church Tallahassee podcast. For more information about City Church, please visit us online at citychurchtallahassee.com. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it's awesome. So we're not waiting on let's go to get here. Let's go is happening right now. And you just had a chance to get a glimpse of some of the amazing things that God is doing uh, from our church uh, for our city and to the world. Uh, so I'm just really grateful for your partner. It's us, it's us together as a church family. And uh, we want to just keep going. And I'm just uh, kind of watched that. First of all, I saw that video and I was just like, whoa. Uh, because I just can't, I never would imagine, you know, what was it, 15 and a half years, 16 years ago, uh, when Scott Simmons and I just set off to start a church when we were 26 years old, that, that God would do this and allow these things to happen. So we just want to keep going and, uh, and be faithful. And because we know that the enemy does not want this church to happen, hates let's go, and doesn't want to see videos like that. Uh, so we want to keep praying, keep going forward, and keep being for the gospel and for the city in Tallahassee and beyond. What we are calling our vision, Let's Go, uh, which is a two-year expression of our vision of being for the gospel for the city to expand that uh, to Tallahassee and beyond. Uh, I read recently, I was in a, a North American Mission Board SEND network, which is our, our network of churches uh, that plants churches like we saw in New Orleans from George Ross, uh, that uh, right, we were, I was in a meeting, and at the meeting they presented some most recent data to us, and we were told there's only two continents in the world where, the, where Christianity is rapidly declining, and it's Europe and North America, are the two places where Christianity is rapidly declining. It's also the two places that have the most church history. Now, we want to go biblical history, that's different. You can go back into northern Africa, you can go into the Middle East, of course. But in terms of like the history of what we know today is like the modern day church and the Reformation and the Great Awakenings and these amazing cathedrals all over the country, those are the places where Christianity is rapidly declining, including our own country here, which is why we had to say, let's go. Not because we think it's up to us, the Lord's the one who does the work, because Jesus specifically said, the harvest is plenty and the workers are few. So pray for the Lord to send workers into the harvest. I want to read you from 1 Chronicles, from the Old Testament, chapter 16, verses 8 through 15. And I want you to keep in mind that stat I just gave you, the two, only two continents in the world where Christianity is declining rapidly is North America and Europe. Listen to this. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Proclaim his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell about all his wondrous works. Boast in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wondrous works he has done. His wonders and the judgments he has pronounced. You offspring of Israel, his servant, Jacob's descendants, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments govern the whole earth. Remember his covenant forever, the promise he ordained for a thousand generations. If Christianity keeps declining in Europe and North America, we will be unable to remember his covenant forever and the promise he ordained for a thousand generations. Now be not mistaken, when it's my, it's my baby crying, I can't get mad. Uh, be not mistaken. God's covenant remains. 
God's promises remain. They're not dependent upon us. But future generations to know and understand and believe and worship the one true God is not going to be anywhere near a majority. It's going to be even smaller and smaller every year. These trends continue to happen. And under our watch, at least the context that God has given us here in Tallahassee, I want to make sure we continue to see a people who can remember what God has done and trust God and believe the good news of the gospel and tell it to others. So there's four things as we keep going. Several months in, when it kind of be out of sight, out of mind for a minute that I want to lift up before you, that I'm asking our church to do and our church to be. And the first thing is that our church should cultivate a heart for the kingdom by praying. We must be a praying people. One thing that stuck with me from college was that our president would regularly say that nothing of eternal significance is accomplished apart from prayer. That prayer is the means that God uses to carry out his divine will for his people. He doesn't need our prayers. He's going to act by his will but he receives our prayers. It's how we have God's ear. We have our creator's ear, and we have to be people to pray. Let's pray for God to send workers into the harvest. I want you to pray for our city, for our missionaries, for our next generation ministries, and also pray for us. I want to be found faithful. You see, so much compromise going on, so much giving in to the culture, so much caving in certain areas of important truth. You see burnout happening. You see pastors flaming out. It's like open season on pastors in America right now where so many peers of mine across the country are quitting and resigning because the arrows keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. Like this trend has to stop. Like we have to be a unified people as the church because the church isn't unified and we're not covering everything we're doing in prayer, then what hope does First Chronicles 16 have to be rallying in our city and beyond? So be a people that are praying. Be a people, please, that are asking God to move in our city. Asking God to protect us from the enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion. Like one number one theme you can see throughout scripture and church history of how spiritual warfare has been combated, it's through prayer. That is the number one way. It's, and I would say the next one would be like unity and support and having each other's back. Uh, but number one, I would say is prayer. That we ask great things of God. There's no thing that's too small. There's no thing that's too basic. There's no thing that's too large, too massive. That we ask God to keep working here and beyond and for his kingdom all across the globe. Our church should cultivate a heart for the kingdom by praying. Let us be a praying people. Our church should prioritize the kingdom by sending. Number two. We should prioritize the kingdom by sending. We really do believe that Jesus is the only way, that he really is the way, the truth, the life, that no one goes to the Father except through him. We really do believe there's only one mediator between God and man. We really do believe what it says in Romans 10, that nobody can know unless someone tells them. And how can somebody tell them unless they're sent? So we don't need a sending. One thing I'm happy about, many things happy about our church, and I brag about you guys often, is that from day one, we've had a local sending culture. We've called it being called, not employed. Meaning that every person sees the place where God has given them as their main area of influence. If that's their job, where most people spend the majority of their day, if that's in the home, in the neighborhood, wherever it could be. That it's not, you're not just there getting through the day. You're not just there to collect a paycheck and support your family, even though that's important. You're not even just there to have the kids at home, even though that's obviously massively important. 
that every place God has you, you're there as someone who is called by God to be a part of his, part of his family and a part of his team and a part of his mission. And it doesn't have to be extravagant. It's small steps of faithfulness. Eugene Peterson called it long, slow obedience in the same direction. Doesn't sound very glamorous, doesn't sound very Instagram savvy, but it's where disciples and mission happen. It's in the long obedience in the same direction of faithfulness. So I'm really grateful for how our church has had an evangelistic heart from day one. That's what started this church. The belief that mature Christians follow Jesus into the world. And the next step we've taken in the last few years is to be an international sending church and a North American sending church. And Abby and Nate would go to Ann Arbor. They're, they're, he's not a pastor. Abby's not on staff. They went there to be members, to go help the church get started. How incredible is that? But your members here, and the same spirit they have about their church and their opportunity in Ann Arbor, we get the chance to have the same opportunity here. And pray that God serves some more hearts to go be part of a salt church. When I see that statistic, that North America and Europe are the two places that are rapidly declining when it comes to Christianity, I'm like, how can we do anything else but join the salt network? Like, we have to be a part of this salt network. Like, we have to be a part of planting churches in university cities. And I'm thankful our elders gave it a thumbs up after they vetted for a while. We didn't jump in lightly. Want to know who these guys were. Spend time with them. Because when you align with someone like that and put serious financial resources into it, we want to make sure that we are on the same page about the mission of God. And we are, and as a result, we had a church in Orlando that was here today that's going to be planting very soon next to UCF. We had our sister church from Gainesville, their staff visit uh, recently. They're coming, uh, one of their members visited recently. That she was at our staff meeting this past week. Their team's coming in two weeks from the day with us. It's happening all across the country. We just planted in Syracuse last year, our network. There's churches happening all the time. Jensen Bells at University of Northern Colorado. Why? Because there's needs for the gospel there. And we must go. It's also not easy to be a sending parent. Steve Schaefer, I think that's you, bright lights on me. He just sent his son to Asia as a full-time missionary at the IMB. That's not easy to do. We encourage Steve and thank him for being willing to do that and to bless his son. The Bells just sent Jensen. We tried to keep her here and give her a job. They just sent, uh, just sent Jensen uh, to Northern Colorado. Will you thank them? That's amazing. Like, that, that's what we do. Like that, that is what we do. So thank you for being a part of that, for giving, for praying. We want to be ascending church, and our prayer is that God will stir more hearts to go. We'll have more people come up to us and say, I think I want to explore what it means to go international with missions. And on a, on a short, you know, 10-day trip, sure, that's a great start. Very few people go international full-time without first taking a short-term trip. Actually, I've never met anyone who's ever gone full-time. I'm sure it's happened, but they didn't first take a short-term trip. I'm thankful for how Craig is plowing the way for that and providing trips and opportunities for us to go and to learn and to see the needs. What would it look like if our college students, rather than just talking about what they're majoring in, were talking about where they were going? I also think it's awesome that on a Sunday night at a church vision meeting, we have college students here. That's not a common thing in America. Thank you all. Grateful for you guys and your, and your commitment to your church. We're going to miss you all this summer. So our church should prioritize the kingdom by sending Sending people, sending finances to the mission field. The third thing is our church should invest, this plays off number two, in the kingdom by giving. Like we must be a generous church. And a church can only be as generous as the people of the church are generous. 
So we want to give even more to Lottie Moon, more to Annie Armstrong. That's our international missions offering, our North American missions offering. We also get what's called the cooperative program, which is a big pot, like an imaginary pot of church, of just think of a big pot that all, like all the churches in our network, that all put into to fund missionaries all around the world. It's incredible. So we give you know, six figures plus a year uh, just to that fund alone to be able to do that. And we're going to keep doing that. And we were giving as much money as we possibly could when we were at the warehouse and when we were setting up at Godby High School and when we were at Tharp Street and everywhere we've been in between. Because it's not the size of the church that determines your generosity. It's the heart of the mission that God has called us to that determines our generosity. And we're going to keep doing that. As God gives us more favor in those areas, we're not going to go, oh, wow, we'll still give what we used to give and keep the rest. No, we're going to keep going and keep sending and keep giving. So please figure out how you can be as generous as possible. Some of you have already made Let's Go commitments back, back, in, uh, back at the beginning of the year, or back at the end of the fall, excuse me. Uh, back at the end of the fall, sorry to get my calendar right. And uh, I'm thankful for that. Uh, there's some of you in this room that are, are already faithfully doing that, I'm sure. I saw the number up there just a minute ago that Alex and Sarah showed. Uh, but also, maybe some of you never did that. We'd love for you to get on board. Maybe some of you are like, you know what, I gave that then, but I could have given more. I'm getting a tax refund back, or whatever it could be. To say, here it is, Lord. Like, I'm open-handed to the Great Commission. Because we must continue to send, they continue to go. And the fourth thing is our church should contend for the kingdom. Contend for the kingdom by reaching the next generation. We're going to contend, and we're going to win the next generation. There's a pastor named Shane Pruitt who says, whoever wants the next generation the most is going to get them. And the world wants them really badly. We have a better message in the world, and that is the name that is above all names, Jesus Christ. Because one day the flowers, the fields are going to fade away, but the one who does the will of the Lord is going to remain forever. So I'm really grateful that we're a multi-generational church that cares about reaching the next generation. We are truly a multi-generational church. And, and I laugh about it because you never hear like a church of all like old people. Shout out to the old people, love you guys. Go Denny's at 5 p.m., love you guys. You never hear someone tell a church full of old people, it's not multi-generational enough. Do you ever notice that? It's only younger churches that get, that, they get knocked for that. Robert loves it, right? He's right. Robert's his third, fourth or every week. So he wants the music booming. So, but I've always found that interesting. Y'all don't make a joke that he can't hear. He can hear, just so you know, okay. But, but, I've always, it always used to drive me crazy in the early days. We have all these young people at our church when we first started, because I was young and everyone else was young, and we, just, just what is what it was. And we'd have a, a family that was maybe more, a little more established family, like in the routine of life, show up, and they'd walk in the door, and they'd go, oh man, that was really neat to see all those college kids. Man, we really liked the music. Man, that was the first time I hadn't been bored in church in a really long time. I'd hear things like that. You know, the message we appreciate it was like from the Bible, and you like didn't you know, apologize for saying, here's what God says, and it was a really great experience. We're like, oh my gosh, we're gonna get a family. You know, it was like this huge deal. And they'd be like, but you know, we're just, we're just a little too old. We're a little too old. And our prayer was that one day we would see people walk in the door that didn't go, oh man, it's all these college kids. And instead we walk in the door and go, wow, look at all these college kids. And somebody like Clark Smith, who's one of our elders, walked into Godby High School and went, wow, look at all these college kids. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to be. So here we are now, a multi-generational church. Our young professional ministries here are booming. They're not even official ministries, just our groups and presence, they're booming. 
Courtney told me we had almost 400 kids in City Church Kids this morning. Check in. Like, and then look around the room. There's all different kind of age in this room right now. This is a multi-generational church, this is a multi-generational church by God's grace. And it's how God designed the church to be, and we're going to experience it. Like actually having every generation. Not just two or three, but actually having every generation. I thank God for that. But a multi-generational church that has to commit together that we're not going to let the next generation go unreached on our watch. That we're going to care about this a lot. The local church is going to matter a ton for us. Because all the other things that matter in the eyes of the world are always trying to pull them in different directions. Judges chapter 2 verse 10. That whole generation was also gathered to their ancestors. After them another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works he had done for Israel. What an indictment. What an indictment. A generation rose up who did not know the Lord. We're not far away from that here. It's already happened in Europe. It's already happened. Like Judges 2.10 is a reality in Europe right now. It's already happened in certain parts of the United States. And there's still some access to the gospel, unlike other places. There's still some remnant faithful churches in some of those large areas, northwest, northeast, college towns. There's not a lot. And it really is true that, one, that every church is one generation away from dying. Now, the universal church will never die because Jesus is the one who's building it. But the expression of the universal church is local churches that every single one is one generation away from dying. You can drive around town and notice buildings that used to be churches. Go, well, that used to be a church. Looks like one, doesn't it? And now it's a post office. And not because the church relocated, but because it died. I remember going on a tour, a church history tour, when I was in London with Ashland and some others. And we're in this church where some famous figures of church history, where they actually pastored. Got to actually go inside the church where John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, pastored. And we actually sang Amazing Grace in that church building. It was the coolest thing ever. It's like singing the Notre Dame fight song inside Notre Dame Stadium. It was amazing, but cooler and spiritual and actually matters. <laughs> singing, take me out to the ball game at Wrigley Field, but better. And I said, oh, so is there, I assume we were in a church. There's a coffee shop in there. But I said, like, when do they meet? What time does the service meet on Sunday mornings? And they're like, oh, there's not a church service here on Sunday mornings. I was like, it's not a church anymore? Like, no, it's just, you know, her tours and it's a coffee shop. Like, that, that's a church history tour in Europe. This used to be this. This used to be that. This used to be this. Don't think that can't happen here like that in one, two, three generations. So do you hold on for dear life to something that's dying? Or do you go give your life to something that's alive and say, I want to be a part of that? And I'm thankful for all of, you that, all of you that have chosen to do that. So for the next generation, here's some amazing things we've seen happen. For multi-generational ministry, we've seen over 300 women at our women's gatherings since Let's Go started. And our men's gathering has hit a record attendance of over 200 men joining us for our last event. It's hard to get dudes to go to church. We had that many come to a men's event. Yeah, we fed them, but still. They were here. They were here. City Church Kids. 71 new families and kids have come since January. 71 new families. 
There are pastors that are praying for one new family. I used to be that person. 71. 96 new families since starting Let's Go. We've had 19 City Church kids get baptized since starting Let's Go. Our SALT ministry, SALT, which is our college ministry, we had 405 students outside of Duke Campbell Stadium for the launch at Langford event at the beginning of the school year. Took 167 to Beach Weekend, which is quite a commitment. Going out of town, skipping classes on Friday, don't tell their parents. It's expensive. Took 147 people on buses to Des Moines, Iowa for the National Assault Conference. Life-changing event for many of our college students. Jacob Baldry got food poisoning and had to go to the hospital for two days. You'd have thought he was dying, but he just had a tummy ache and came to find out. So there you go. <laughs> Good luck, Emma. All right, so we had 150 students, college students, on average, go to city groups. 150 students saying, on this night of the week, I'm going to be a part of a small group Bible study through my church. It's amazing. And 25 college students from our SALT ministry baptized this school year. 25. Our student ministry, which is our middle school and high school, averages right now 98 students every Wednesday night. And people are saying that youth ministry is dying. I don't think so. 1717, which is our morning Bible study. See an average of 25 students attending weekly Sunday morning intensive Bible study at 8.30 going through the book of Romans verse by verse. We've hit a record number, this is from Jake. We have hit a record numbers in the spring in attendance as we've averaged roughly 40 more students this spring compared to last, which is a testimony to the students' desire to be bringers of their friends and invite their friends to come hear the good news of Jesus. It's a big culture in our student ministry. They tell the kids to be bringers, to bring their friends. And that's not easy when most of your friends can't drive. And if those kids' parents don't go to church, it's not going to be a priority to get them here on a school night when they have homework and activities and it's late and all these things. But guess what? It's happening. Because God's being gracious to us. We're taking 94 people to youth camp this summer. Last year we took 64. We've had 17 middle school and high school students get baptized since Let's Go started. So in all people, all generations, we've had 51 baptisms since January, as Sarah and Alex shared. But since we started Let's Go last fall, like this past fall, we've had 81 people get baptized at City Church since Let's Go was announced. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that awesome? If you were one of those, 80, if you're one of those 81, will you stand up so we just give you a little shout out if you're one of those 81 who got baptized? Awesome. So in other words, Let's Go is actually happening. So I know it almost sounds cliche to say, let's keep going, but truly, let's keep going. And let's say this is worth our lives. But the local church is worth our lives because Jesus gave his life for her. And we get to be a part of it. Like we get to be a part of it. When I, whenever I do a wedding, I uh, officiate a wedding, I like to remind everyone who's there that by simply being here and witnessing the ceremony, we're participating in God's design for humanity. That a man would leave his father and mother and be joined with her wife. The two will become one flesh. Like we're actually getting to witness God's design in play in front of us, like marriage. And in the same way, in a similar fashion, I should say, by being a part of a local church, you're participating in what God has designed, not for the human race, but for his people. 
Like the people of God, the bride of Christ, you get to take part in that. What an amazing thing that is. There's no substitute for it. So let's keep going. Thank you for going hard out of the starting block. And let's keep going, not to finish the drill, but to keep the gospel going forward through evangelism, discipleship, community, all the important things that make up the church until Jesus comes back. God has given us an amazing opportunity. I do believe that he has passed some sort of baton to our church right now. And we have the opportunity to be found very faithful in doing so. And to not take for granted a second what God's allowed us to be a part of. So I'm thankful that you love your church. Let's love Jesus even more. And because we love Jesus, love our church as much as we possibly can. Because he does. He's building it. It's his idea. We get to take part. So let's pray together. Our Father, we are thankful for the things that we just had a chance to hear about. I'm so thankful for that white sheet of paper with all those numbers on there because every number equals a person. Every person is one that you love, that is a soul, that needs Christ. So I'm thankful for those who have become aware of your good news and have responded by your grace. And thankful for those who are softening to it. And we know hope we're praying that one day they will come to faith. So I ask you to bless our next generation ministries. I thank you for our multi-generational church. And I thank you for Let's Go. That vision you laid upon our hearts that was just confirmed by the response and the participants and the excitement of our entire church body. Let us keep going forward with this good news. Let us be a counter-cultural expression of the good news compared to a world that's so much bad. But we know you love this world. And in a world that brings bad news so often, let our light shine before them that they may see our good works and as a result glorify you. Will the church be the light post for our city? The city shining on a hill, the church. We ask this because of Jesus making it possible and through his name, by his blood, to the one who is resurrected. Amen.